Thanks, Daniel. Uh, my name is Ron Cool. I'm one of the pastors here at Hillside, and it's my joy to welcome all of you. Welcome all of you here as well this morning. Uh, three weeks ago, we started a, a, a sermon series, and we took a week off in there. But we started a sermon series, and we were talking about taking the word to heart. We're talking about the Bible, about God's word, and we've said that this is the way God speaks to us, and we're called to be people of the book. We're called to take this book into our hearts, to let it grow us and shape us, and we've been talking, thinking about what does that mean? What does that look like? Why do we do that? We actually started with that first question of why, why, why should we do that? And part of what I want us to remember again and again and again is that we don't read the Bible more, we don't get into the Bible more, we don't sing the Bible more, because then God will finally love us. We don't do that because then I can impress my neighbor. I don't do it so I can control somebody else. I don't do it so that any of those things, just because it's a job that I have to do it. We do it because the Bible helps us do two things. The first thing the Bible helps us do, it helps us grow in our relationship with God through Jesus Christ. I want to get into this book. I want to get this book into me because that's how I know how God, much God loves me. That's how I know what, what God wants to do in my life. That's how he draws me deeper and deeper into that relationship. The Christian faith isn't just kind of this check a box and say, okay, well, you know, now I'm going to go to heaven when I die. No, the Christian faith is, is living in a relationship with God himself through Jesus Christ, alive in us by the power of his Holy Spirit. And this book guides me in that relationship. It deepens that relationship. It helps me love him more. It helps me trust him more when I know that he's faithful so we were just singing, when I know that God is faithful, then I can trust him more. It deepens that relationship. So, so one of the reasons we, we study the Bible, one of the reasons we want to get into the Bible is, is because it grows our relationship. The second one is because it shapes us and changes us to look more and more like Jesus Christ. If we're followers of Jesus, we want to think more like Jesus, be more like Jesus, act more like Jesus. And, and this is one of the ways, one of the primary ways God shapes us. And as we let this word into our heart, as we take this word into our heart, it begins to shape us more and more into the kind of people God wants us to be. And, and, and I think most of us kind of get that. We have a sense that we should be in the Bible more. But if we're honest, I think most of us don't get into the word as much as we should. We feel like we don't do that as often as we should or as well as we should. And it's kind of a challenge for us. And, and so we said, let's build on that. And, and so last week we talked about, well, what are some of the ways that we get into the Bible? I mean, if we need to get into the Bible more, get the Bible more into us, what are some of the ways we do that? And we said, well, you know, we read it, but there's so much more that we do. I mean, we can read the Bible, but we listen to it. We study it. We sometimes just dig deep into it. We have someone else help us get into it. If you read a devotional or if you read a, a Christian book about something who's guiding, somebody who's guiding you through Scripture. And so we have someone else to help us get into it memorize it. One of the ways to get it deep is we memorize scripture. We chew on it. We meditate on it. We'll talk a little more about that today. But we sing it. We've been doing that already, right? We get the word into us, deep into us, when we sing it. And then we live it out. And as we live it out, the word also goes deeper inside of us. And, 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 and so we do those things, and, and, and I encourage us to kind of say, okay, what are these things that are most helpful for me? How do I grow in this? How do I get better in this? And as I was looking at that and thinking about this week, I thought, you know, there are some challenges we face in trying to do any one of these and trying to do all of these. Um, there, there are some challenges we face, some mistakes that we make. And so what I want to look at today is, is what are some of the mistakes? And I really don't want to focus on the mistakes as much as I want to focus on the corrections, 
And so I'm going to start with mistake, but I hope I spend more time saying, but this is what we can do instead. This is a better way to get at it, okay? And, and, and so I want to do that. Now, as we start, I want to tell you, I have made these mistakes. I am not going to just sit here and say, this is what other people do. The fact is, I've made these mistakes, each of them, several times or more. Okay, I'm learning. I'm learning. I've been doing this for 30 years, and I'm learning. It's okay to learn. We want to get better, but it's okay. When we, when we don't get it right, God doesn't say, oh, now I don't love you anymore. We don't get it right, God says, oh, now you just messed up everything. No, no, you know, no, no, no. No, we want to get it right, but sometimes we get it wrong, and, and we grow, and we learn, and yet God's got all of eternity to make us into who he wants to be, okay? So, so part of what I want to say is, if you are in Christ, relax. If you're not getting him, but if you're in Christ, relax. We're growing in a relationship, okay? It's not getting in or out of it. We're growing in it. So, what are mistakes? I want to talk about four of them. The second one is going to take up most of our time. So don't worry about it when the second one takes a long time. But uh, the first one, and, 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 and I think this is, is one I'm continuing to learn. I think I'm, I'm doing this much better now. But I think sometimes one of our problems is one of our mistakes we make is we fail to remember that the Bible is a gift. We look at it as a job. We look at it as a duty. We look at it as a responsibility. We look at it as something we have to do. And I want to say, what if we actually looked at this as saying, this is the word of life. I mean, what if we just said, this is God's word. And what God, this is the place where we can learn to experience and know that God is faithful. This is one of the places where God says, in the midst of all the struggles, I'm going to never let you go. I'm going to hold. God wants to give us so many good gifts through this. He wants to tell us who he is. He wants to tell us that no matter what happens, nothing can take out, us out of his hands. That this is, friends, this is a gift from God, okay? And, and, and when I see it that way, then it's like, okay, God, what gift do you have? And even the parts that confront me, even the parts that, that challenge me, they're a gift from God because God doesn't want my life to go into the ditch. God wants me to be set free from struggles. God wants me to be set free from those things. And, and so I need to change my attitude and, and keep coming and saying, this word is, is, is the gift of God. For me, 12 years ago or something, I don't know when I started my doctor ministry program, but, but one of the things that happened there is that I fell in love with this book again. I fell in love with this book again. I always believed it was God's word. And I, but to have a guy by the name of Haddon Robinson, to, to just listen to him preach, to listen to Kent Edwards and some others, to listen to them talk. And it's like, oh, yeah, that's right. I do love this book. It's not just my job. And I, and, 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 and I think that's been such a help for me. And I hope you can more and more discover that. Now, here's, here's the deal and why it's not always so easy to do that. It's a gift we have to unwrap. It's a gift we have to open, right? And, and you might say, well, that's no problem. It's easy to open gifts. But opening gifts can be some work. We just came through Christmas. Some of you have children or grandchildren or great-grandchildren or whatever it is. And you maybe had them. It was easy for them to take off the paper. But I don't know who decides, but some evil person decides that you need 6,000 zip ties to hold this laser gun in place or whatever it is. And these twist-tie things that some machine does so tight that you can't get them apart no matter what. And it's like, I just want to kind of drop a grenade on the thing and say, you know, I mean, right? And, and, and if you think about it, I, I, you know, again, that gift, that you want to open it. You want to get at it. And so you don't say, well, it's too much work. Let's not take it out of the box. 
I mean, no, it's a lot of work, but I want to get into it. And so that's what's happening when we're getting into the work. And that's what the work is, okay? It, the gift is worth it. The gift is worth it. And I've got to keep reminding myself that, that, you know what, it's worth the work, okay? Jesus in Matthew 7, at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, he's been preaching. He's been talking about where life is. And he says, this is why you need to listen to me. Because therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on a rock, okay? For those of you who know this story, the other part of it is who doesn't listen is like a fool who builds a house on a sand, right? The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had foundation on the rock. Here's the deal. God loves me whether I build my house on the rock or whether I build my house on the sand. God's going to save me whether I build my house on the rock or whether I build my house on the sand. God's going to take care of me whether I build my... It's just foolish for me to build my house on the sand. It's just... Why do I do that? And so I have a tendency, because of my sinful nature, I have a tendency to build sandcastles. I have a tendency to hold on to things that are ultimately going to destroy me. And so I want to say, God, help me. God, speak to me, because your word can set me free. Your word can give me life. Your word is the one. I mean, I want to have a solid place to stand. And when I start to look at it that way, I start to go to the Bible differently. I start to look at it not as some job, not as some burden, but as a gift. And I know it might take some work. Now, I want to suggest, and think about this. Um, I'll ask you to again at the end. But I want to suggest that this is one of the reasons why for many of us, it's really helpful to have somebody else guide us into this. Because it's not as hard to open up the package then. In a sense, what I do on a Sunday morning is I try to say, guess what, I spent all week unwrapping the package. Here's what it looks like. And you get to say, oh, cool, I just get the gift. And, and that effect is a lot of us, that's all we got time for. Some of you have kids, more than one. I mean, you got all time. I mean, you don't have a lot of time to, you don't have a skill. And so that's okay. But right, I think that's part of the appeal of having somebody that's not, I'm lazy as much as just, I don't have the time to open it up and I'm not sure I'm going to break. So help me open it up, okay? Be a good guide to me. All right, so we fail to remember. The Bible is a gift to us, but we do need to open it, all right? Remember that, and it's a joy. All right, second one, and this is where I want to spend my time on, and it's going to sound counterintuitive, I think. It's going to sound strange, given what we're talking about in this whole series thing. And what I want to suggest is one of the mistakes we make is that sometimes we try to do too much or go too fast. So we don't need to, aren't you telling us we're supposed to get into the Bible more? Aren't you telling us we're supposed to do more? On the one hand, I want to say, yeah, we're supposed to do more. But I wonder sometimes if we don't need to work harder, we need to work smarter. I mean, if if we don't need, and and sometimes I think because we're just trying to be so fast, and we just end up skimming things instead of letting things go really deep. And I, and I think sometimes that's a problem. Here's, I want to suggest that if you are, I, I don't know, this is, let's just say, the good typical member, hillside member, okay? Here's, let me give you something to think about. I, I don't know if you ever looked at it this way, but let's imagine that you are a good hillside member, and it's Monday morning, all right? And so the first thing you think about, of course, is yesterday's sermon. And, you know, you say, okay, well, what? Right? You, you do, right? You nod. You, the first thing you think of on my, No, thank you for lying. Um, no, but, but you kind of say, okay, right, okay. Oh, that's right. Ron said we've got to get into the Word. Okay, that's a good thing. I'm going to remember that this whole week, right? You should carry the sermon through the week. We've got to get into the Word. Now, you drive into work, and you listen to Christian radio, and they give you the verse for the day. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice. Oh, I've got to rejoice. 
We got to rejoice. Okay, so I got to get in the Word and I got to rejoice. This is so good. I get to work and I get an email devotional, okay? And, and this email devotional is, is, is about how Jesus was full of compassion. So I got to, okay, so I got to get into the Word. I got to rejoice. I got to have compassion, all right? Um, that's good. I'm reading a psalm a day. And this psalm is about open your eyes and see the Lord. Okay, all right, so I got to rejoice. And, and oh God, I forget the second one already. But anyway, I, I still know it. <laughs> Right, we do a psalm a day. Then, then on, on our way driving someplace, we listen to an Andy Stanley sermon about being a better mom or a better dad or something like that. And, and this is just Monday, and you've got five things on your mind. And then Tuesday, we have a low day on Tuesday. All we do is the verse of the day and the email devotional and the psalm a day. And then on Wednesday, again, we do the verse of the day. We do the, the email devotional and, and then the psalm a day. And then and this time we listen to a podcast and then we have Wednesdays the night when our family gets together, so we have family devotions. And then, and then I do my Bible study prep for our small group. That's 14 things. I can't think of four. I can't remember four things. Now, I'm, I got 14 different things. And, and, and we're like a, a, a bee that's going like from flower to flower and going, touch, 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 touch. Never get nectar. Never getting deep enough to get nectar. Never, And we're just flitting around. We're just floating around. And I think sometimes... Let's throw away some of the flowers. Not throw them away, okay? But let's, let's go to fewer flowers and spend a lot, less is more, exactly. Spend a lot more time in one place. I wonder how much that might not help us. Last week we looked at Psalm 1, verse 2, and, and, and again, starts with verse 1. Blessed is the one who, whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on that law day and night. And we said the word meditates is haga. And it means to gnaw on, to chew on. And, and you don't do that fast. Your dog does not chew his bone in 0.3 seconds. Your dog doesn't do it a, a, a drive-by, a, a, a quick pit stop on a bone. And the dog gets into it, and it takes time. And I think we could do better to gnaw, on, gnaw better on fewer bones. So don't go tell everybody that I said to read less of the Bible. But don't try to read, I mean... Right? Don't, don't, don't read it. I wonder if we wouldn't go deeper. You see, God wants to make deep change in our lives. God isn't interested in just kind of making surface changes. He doesn't want to just repaint the outside. He wants to reorient everything inside of us. And that takes time. That takes a lot of work. God wants us to see everything in a new way. Let me give you an example of that, of, 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 of where I think we sometimes go off. Um, and, and by the way, if you sometimes get struck with the irony that Ron's talking about, we do try to do too much or go too fast when reading the Bible in a sermon in which he's trying to do too much and go too fast, that's just the way it is. Um, <laughs> I realized as I was sitting here that I thought, yeah, I'm going to go too fast and do too much. I'm, I'll give you an example of what not to do while we do this. But anyway, John 13. In John 13, Jesus is gathered with his disciples on the night that he's betrayed and they have the Passover together, and this is what happens. All right, verses, third, uh, verses 4 and 5. He, that is Jesus, got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. You can understand that in 10 seconds, right? Jesus got up and washed the disciples' feet. Give me 10 minutes and I can help you understand. And you can understand the cultural significance of that. You can understand the situation, how they were sitting around a table. In 10 minutes or so, I, 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 I can explain that to you. And I think part of our problem 
is that we say, okay, I got it, move on. I got it, but it doesn't have me. I want to suggest that just that picture of Jesus washing your feet, you'll never understand in your whole life. It will take us more than a lifetime. It will take us more than a lifetime to genuinely grasp that the God who created all things, the God who holds all things in his hands, got down on his hands and knees and washed the dirty feet of people who didn't even understand him. That changes your world. Because it means at the center of the world is not me getting what I want, but at the center of the world and the key to true joy is me washing somebody else's feet. You see, we read this and we say, I got it, okay, I'm supposed to be who I am, but I'm also supposed to be nice to the people around me. That's not what this, pa- this passage is saying. No, the, the universe is different than you thought it was. Because so often we say, oh, okay, it's still all about me, but if I did, no, the universe just says, no, God himself, you are so precious to him. And, and, and I think, I mean, we could spend the rest of our lives, just, again, imagine it. And, and let yourself live into imagining being there and having Jesus look in your eyes and just so lovingly say, you matter so much. And you'd say, Jesus, I can't, why? just be quiet because I want you to know that I love you. And I want you to know your sins are forgiven. That's a lifetime, friends. See, that's the kind of change we're getting at. That's the kind of change God wants to make in our lives. And flitting around from passage to passage is not going to get it that deeply into us. Uh, one of the books, I mentioned my doctor of ministry degree. I don't know why I'm talking about it today, but I am. And one of the books I read for it was, was a book called Metaphors to Live We Live By. Um, and guess what? We're going to talk a little bit of English, but honest, trust me, it'll be clear, and it will be worth it. This will be worth it. These guys, Lakoff and Turner, not a Christian book, but what they said is, you know, most of us think of metaphors, and a metaphor is, is like comparing two things, um, just using is. So he is a bull in a china shop, right? That's a metaphor. I'm not saying that he actually turned into a bull, but that's what he's like. I'm trying to describe. And so metaphors, we use them all the time. What these guys said is they're not just word plays. They're not just word pictures, but they actually shape and create the world in which we live. They don't just describe it, but they shape and create the world in which we live. Let me give you their kind of example. Imagine this. Let's imagine you're going to take a 24-hour car ride, all right, with somebody, neighbor, spouse, friend, whatever, sibling. And let's say you know before you get into the car that you disagree on one or two things. Let's say, for example, you like CNN news and you're car ride mate likes Fox News. Just a small difference that probably doesn't indicate anything else. Right? Now, okay, you're getting in the car for 24 hours, and you know this person is sold out on the one you're not. Right now, I would imagine some of you are starting to get sweaty armpits. And some of you said, I will not talk about it. Right? Some, a lot of you are just saying, that's why we don't talk about it. We are not going to talk about it because I know we're just going to get into this big fight and argument. It's going to be ugly. And it's going to go bad. Some of you are saying, I can't wait to tell him why he's wrong. 
can't wait to tell him what that liberal bias and there's not just truth and fact and all this stuff and we deport you decide give me a break and I can't wait to try to straighten them out I can't right but there's one thing that's in common for I think I'm going to say for all of us in here and that is when we talk about a debate a discussion an argument like that almost all the pictures we have in our head are from war right how do we talk about things in our culture I attacked his position I crushed her argument. I shot down everything he said. I defended my position well. And most importantly, I won. That's what we have when we disagree with somebody. I'm here, you're there, and my job is to throw grenades at your position until you realize it's stupid to be here. And it's, a, it's, a, it's an attack. And, and, and I'll just tell you, some of you are thinking, what, what's the other option? <laughs> Well, I'm just about, I'll be like, oh, you see, Ron's really deep down a liberal, isn't he? Because he says there's no truth. And so whatever you say is fine. No, there's still truth, but there's another option, okay? In, in, in some cultures, very few, <laughs> but in some cultures, and think about this if you could do this in your family. But argument is not battle. Argument is journey. When people have a disagreement, if I'm here and you're there, it's like, well, now this is interesting. You see this different than I do. I want to see what you see. I still think you're wrong. But, I, but it makes a difference, right? I, that's okay. But think of the difference in tone, the difference in action, the difference in what we think is winning, all right? All of a sudden we're saying, I learned about her position. I learned about his position. I saw things from her point of view. I shared what I was seeing. Again, it doesn't mean there's no truth. It doesn't mean we're going to agree at the end necessarily. But the discussion is different. The whole feel is different. And, and, and part of it is because we've named it this, but by naming it that, it also controls ourselves. That's why we think about it. In our culture, in our culture, what is time? Time is money, right? What do we do with time? We invest time in something. We spend time with someone. We save time. Time is precious. And we are obsessed about time because time is money. Guess what? In some cultures, they don't really care about time that way. Time is an opportunity for me to just hang out with you for a while. And if I don't get to the next thing until tomorrow, that's okay. But we have become so controlled by time is money, it impacts everything, okay? It impacts all of those things. Metaphors carry with them a world of attitudes and actions. Now, getting to the Bible, what does this mean? What I want to suggest is, as we get into the Word and as we get the Word into us, one of the main things that has to happen in conversion and in transformation is we get a new set of images to live by. We get a new set of metaphors to live by. We learn to see the world in a fundamentally different way where the greatest being on earth, the creator of all things, actually finds his greatest joy in washing your feet. Where that's what he did because that's what he loves to do because that's who he is. And I need to, that's a complete deep change. You see, when we turn to the Bible, one of the things we find over and over again, and we do it in songs, but we find over again new pictures. God is not just some tyrant. God is not just some watchmaker who set things in space and doesn't care about his world anymore. No, God is a rock. God is a refuge. God's a mother hen. You ever think about that? The Bible says it's true. God's a mother hen who just wants to cover you up, who just wants to protect you. God's a potter. And when we have faults, he says, it. okay, we'll start over. 
God's a potter. God's a singer. He rejoices over you with singing. That God celebrates over you. Can you imagine God singing over you? Again, learning to say that. Nothing can take me out of the hands of God. Nothing can separate me from the love of God. I I, got to get those things. Not just saying, yep, logically that's the way my world works. I need to understand that this is the way the world really is and one day will be. God is a rock. God is a refuge. Who are we? We are branches. We are clay. We are the apple of God's eye. Who are you? You're just a piece of junk. No, you're not. You're the apple of God's eye. We're all bruised reeds. Some of us feel like we're the only bruised reed here this morning. You're all bruised reeds. I'm a bruised reed. The good news is the Bible says God doesn't crush bruised reeds, but he restores them and he strengthens them. So, okay, I'm a bruised reed. I don't need to try to pretend I'm not. I don't need to try to pretend my life is perfect. I don't need to try to pretend that I've got it all together because I'm a bruised reed who's loved by a father. Sin is a slippery slope. You know, sometimes preachers, now, sin is just that evil stuff out there. Well, I don't want evil stuff out there. No, what sin really is, it's, a, it's like fruit that promises one thing but delivers another. You ever bite into an apple and then it's mealy? That's sin. You bite into it because it looks good and it promises a lot. Okay, God, help me to see. Help me to see. It takes time. Again, we're talking about changing fundamentally the way we see the world back to the right way. And it doesn't happen in a little flit to a flower for a bee. It takes time to just live into these things, to let these metaphors, to let these images, to let these stories shape us. And and so I just wonder sometimes if we need to do less but do more. If we need to worry less about getting 16 different ideas and more about finding seven and saying in the next year, in the next seven years, if I understand God created, I've failed, but he still loves me, whatever, seven things, ten things. Say, I'm going to learn these. And, 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 man, I think we'd be further along the road of discipleship than by learning a little bit about 800 things. So we try to do too much. As I say, you might be seeing an example of it. We're going to real quote through these. That's what I just want to touch on. Third, we are people who guide us make a pass to say something it wasn't intended to say. Again, this is just one to say when you're going into just be aware of this, okay? Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. And we can get all excited that people wear this on T-shirts, and that's great if you wear it on a T-shirt. But can we remember that this passage is not about rock climbing? It's not about having a successful business or believing in yourself when nobody else does. It's not even about winning a state championship in volleyball. I don't know if anybody has that on their T-shirt. If you do, I apologize. But it's not, okay? I know, it makes the team feel good. And it feels like we're... But Jesus doesn't, that Paul isn't saying, you can accomplish any, no he's not, you can't accomplish any goal. If you read the context, he's saying, I can face all things. I'm, I've had good days and bad days. I've had really horrible things happen to me and really wonderful things happen to me. I can face all that life throws at me through that Jesus who carries me. Okay, that's, and, and we've got to use it in line with that. 
this is not John Maxwell, but laws of leadership used by Moses. This person, I found him online this week, law of dreams. Moses presented the people with a desirable object of the promised land where they would be free. That's how you good, provide good leadership. Now, it could be good leadership to provide people a dream. But Moses is not there. To, this part of the Bible is not there teaching us that, okay? It's just not. This one, law of rewards. As an administrative leader, the first law of leadership used by Moses was the law of rewards, which is simply that a leader will have to follow, have followers if that leader will offer rewards to their followers. So you've got to give incentives. You've got to give rewards. Give, give that to And Jesus knew this. That's why Jesus says, come and follow me. If you follow me, you get to go on a cross and, and die. Jesus was lousy at this. Jesus did not. This was not a law of leadership for Jesus, right? That's why we've got to be really careful of... Let's try to, again, the purpose of the book of Exodus is to teach us that when we feel stuck, God is gracious and powerful and he can set us free. And sometimes he uses people like Moses who couldn't talk very clearly. And, and, you know, that's what the passage is. And so these things can be true. It can be really good to do that. But let's make sure that we're not using a passage against what it's intended for. So, again, what was the main purpose of this passage? And, and, And it's never just to give us information. And pay attention to the context and find good guides and hold me accountable. But that's why, you know, and that's why one of the things I want to do is hear from you so that together we can say, what are, the, what are some of the really good guides that we can trust if they're going to unwrap the gift of Scripture for us? All right? And then finally, real quick, we're going to just say, don't, we don't put the passage in the context of the overall story and message of the Bible. There's sort of, we've got to put it in the, make sure we're reading it with what it intended, but also put it in the whole context. So, for example, there are a number of places in the Bible where it talks about God as a judge, right? Talked about that with some, some students this week. But a number of places in the Bible says God is a judge, and, and he's going to come to judge. The question is, what does that mean? What does that look like? Because sometimes preachers will take this, and what we'll say is, because God hates you. Because you are sinners in the hands of an angry God because you're scum, because you're horrible, because you're worthless. That's why God judges, because he's mad at you. In the biblical story, that's not why God judges at all. The biblical story, what happened is God's creation, which was a gift to us of love, that God's creation, it got messed up. And God is saying, I'm not going to let it stay messed up. And and, and judgment is about God saying, I'm going to put an end to that which destroys my creation. Judgment is God saying someday there's going to be no more cancer. Judgment is God saying someday God's, Ron's not going to have that temptation to think about himself all the time. And I want God to judge that in me, right? It's not that he does it because he's so angry. I need him to do it because it's killing me. That's what God's judgment is about. It's about getting rid of the things that destroy us. And when we remember the whole story, we start to hear the passage itself better. Okay? And so remember the whole story. All right, wrap it up. Um, those four. We fail to remember the Bible is a gift. So it's a gift, friends. It's a joy. When you have the opportunity to hear it, then just be like, okay, this is cool. What's God? I, I mean, I'm going to learn something that's going to help change my life today. Don't worry about trying to get everything done. Don't worry about trying to come, go deeper. Make sure you're, you're really listening to the Bible and not bring and listening to your own ideas and forcing them onto the Bible. And then remember the whole story of God's grace and of God's love, and of the fact that one day it's all going to be good. Okay? And there's judgment. But that's what you and I want. Even of those, that part of us that keeps destroying ourselves, we want to get rid of that.
So this week, again, real quick to throw you some ideas to talk about small groups, families. There are these sheets available in the Welcome Center uh, of these slides. So how do you view the Bible? Be curious to just, again, and and at the end I'm going to ask you if you want to email me. I would love it if you would because, again, I want to create some toolkit things so that all of us can be sharing the best practices, best ideas about this. How do you do that? Why why did you get the ideas that, that you view the Bible this way? Was it somehow, well, the way I was taught growing up, it was just this, the Bible was the hammer of God. For some of us, that's what we were taught, that this is the hammer of God to beat somebody up with. It's not. It's the word of God to give life. Does the Bible feel more like a gift when someone else is teaching than when you're reading it on your own? If so, why? I mean, is it, am I right with this thinking that it, it just helps because I don't have to unwrap as much of it? I, it comes a little more, and, and I want to learn how to unwrap it better, so as you do that, I learn to do it myself more. Second, are, are you tempted to do too much or to go fast when getting into the Bible? Is that, does that make sense? Do you feel a pressure to conquer the Bible rather than let it shape you? What are your favorite biblical images for God? What about for us as people? And then, again, pick one biblical image and just live into it for this week. Just chew on it. Maybe it's, you know, that I'm the apple of God's eye. Maybe it's that Jesus washes feet. Maybe it's whatever it is. But And then, <clears throat> third, what are some passages you or someone at Greg guiding you may have taken out of context you may use me as examples I I can give you several myself or used for a different purpose than the intended purpose and and then how do you check out if that's right I'd be curious because that's one of the things and and I was thinking how do we do that with each other let's say you got a devotional book and you're like I'm wondering about this this doesn't pass my smell test Uh, call Daniel or me I mean but (laughs) how do we help each other with that and then four we mentioned four mistakes. What are some of the other ones that you might have run into? And again, finally then, send me an email, rcool at hillsidech.org. Love to hear about this and appreciate those of you who've been sharing thoughts with me. It's a gift, friends. God wants so much to give us life. He wants us to have life to the fullest. Psalm 119, your word is a lamp for my feet. It's a light for my path. God, help us into your word. Let's pray. Father, sometimes it's a lot of work. This package sometimes to get to the gold is not always easy to get through. Get to that gift, to get to that truth, to get to that wisdom, to get to that is sometimes tough. So, Father, thanks for those who help us to do that and help us ourselves to do that better and to get the real stuff, not settle for anything that's kind of partly true or not true at all, but to get the real truth. So, Lord, again, thanks for loving us, whether we're good at this or just beginners, and help us to grow, to be more and more people of the book because we want to just know how much you love us and we want to love you in return. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.